are listening to The Depression Session at 99.1 FM Downtown Radio. Each week, we'll have a new guest tell the story of their depression. I'm your host, Laura Milkins, and thank you for joining us on The Depression Session. Just a note for my listeners, I want to make sure you understand that this is a show about depression, and some of the content can be triggering, so please take care of yourself if something on the show brings up difficult feelings, and seek professional help if you need it. Thank you. Hello and welcome to the Depression Session on Downtown Radio. Today we have with us in the studio John Englund. John is a professional peer support specialist. We'll be right back with John, but first let's talk about healthcare. I'm having a healthcare crisis. So, and I know all of you with depression who've ever been unemployed, I'm currently unemployed, or had to work the healthcare system understand completely what I'm talking about here. And I just thought it was an important topic. So, my job is done, it's over. I got my last paycheck and I, I'll, I'll have other positions at Pima probably. I'll do some adjunct work. I mean, there, it's not like, but my full-time healthcare provided position is gone. It's done. That's it. We're, we're, we're toast. And that's fine. I knew that. And I started saving money thinking, you know, I'm going to be unemployed. So, you know, what do I want to do about that? And I, I want to do some different things. I, I want to do something entrepreneurial related to art. And I've been thinking about health insurance. And I thought, well, I'll sign up for access and see what happens. I mean, being unemployed, that should be a thing. And I also made a plan to go to Mexico, as you all know, and had a wonderful time, went to the Yucatan and made a bunch of paintings. And it's kind of my last hurrah, fun thing to spend some money. You know, I didn't spend a whole lot, actually. It wasn't very expensive to get there and it wasn't very expensive to live there. And one of my friends' house sat and gave me some money for utilities and stuff here. So it was kind of a, it was kind of what I would have spent had I been here. So I, I looked at it that way and thought, yeah, plus um, I was in the depths of depression in like February and I thought I'm going to go to Mexico. It's not practical. It's feeling sad about the job and sad about the relationship. And I just thought, I'm just going to go to Mexico. And that put a fire in me. And I thought, I've got to fan that fire or I don't know if I'm going to be okay. And when you have depression, that's what you do. You know, if you can find something that kind of gets you up in the morning, sometimes you just have to do something that's not that practical. So I got back from Mexico <laughs> and I went to Pima County Health and I went to sign up for access, but they couldn't see me till Thursday. I'm like, awesome. That's fine. And then I had picked up something in Mexico and was feeling sicker and sicker and not just sleeping like 15, 20 hours a day, which I know is not healthy or normal. I wasn't too worried about it, but I started thinking, oh God, hepatitis. There's a bunch of different kinds of hepatitis you can get. And I thought, Zika. One of my friends in Mexico was like, did you get bit by a mosquito? Who lives in that area? I'm like, yes, quite a few. And he's like, it doesn't matter how much bug spray you put on there. And he's like, you want to get checked out. You know, you, he's like, he was saying you can drink papaya leaf tea. And I'm like, I don't think I'm going to find any papaya leaves in Tucson. And I just thought maybe I, you know, and I talked to some different friends and they're all like, go to the hospital or a clinic. So I went to the minute clinic and she said, you need to go to the hospital and get tests. I wish I hadn't, or I wish I'd waited a couple days because I got my last paycheck June 1st. And I went to the hospital June 30th. So although I will be covered by access, it will not be for that hospital visit. 
if I had gone one day later or if my paycheck had posted one day earlier. I mean, it's for May. That's the thing that drives me crazy. It's a paycheck for May, but it came June 1st. I got paid on June 1st. So June, I am screwed. And the hospital was like, you have a virus. <laughs> they did a bunch of blood tests and they put pumped me full of fluids and they got my fever down and they gave me some Tylenol. My prescription was for ibuprofen. I did not use the prescription. I just bought ibuprofen. And I'm like, I, I just feel stupid. Like, why did I go to the hospital? I should have waited till a bone was sticking through the skin or something, or you're about to die. Then you go to the hospital, maybe. And it was because I went to the minute clinic thinking I had to avoid all this, but she's like, mm, you may have something ugly. So I'm screwed. And I've been thinking about healthcare ever since. I think about it a lot anyway. We are a country with tons of mental health issues. This is, this is a show about depression. And when you have depression and you have been sick for nine days, I was feeling completely isolated and kind of afraid. And I'm like, what if I did get something? And I made a choice and I didn't have all the information because I went to Pima County Health, but they couldn't see me till Thursday. And if I had been able to see them on that Friday, I wouldn't have gone to the hospital on Saturday. I would have gone on Sunday. You know what I mean? It's like this stack yeah. up of stupid stuff. So you have to like plan for not having insurance and we could have a national health care plan. So the thing that's crazy about this is the cost of actual health care in this country. Your employer paid health care costs so much money. There's a I'll have a couple articles here. The real reason the US has employer sponsored our health insurance. The real reason the US has employer sponsored health insurance, the New York Times by Aaron E. Carroll from September 5, 2017. And he actually says it comes out of World War II. I'm not going to read you the whole article. This is the part that I thought was interesting, which is this system is expensive. The single largest tax expenditure in the United States is for employer-based health insurance. It is more than even the mortgage interest deduction. In 2017, this exclusion cost the federal government about $260 billion lost income and payroll taxes. This is significantly more than the Affordable Care Act each year. Our current system that everybody is like, I have my employer insurance. What do we need national health care for? Costs the government $260 billion and we get nothing for it. As a country, if that same money just went to national health care, $260 billion could go to national health care right now and everybody could just go to a clinic or go to the hospital. I mean, this people in, in Europe are appalled by America. They're like, we just go to the doctor and then our national health care. Of course, they pay taxes for it, but we're paying $260 billion for a private health insurance. We are paying that as a country for employer-based health insurance, private, private. Like we are already paying all that money. We could just take that pot of money and put it to good use and we will not. And, you know, as far as how this all relates to depression, our whole system and your health in general is all wrapped up in your mental health and like just being okay, like figuring out a way to like, I'm going to be okay. And somehow I'm going to pay this off. It could be four or five years. That's what happened the last time I went to the hospital. Four years later, you can pay it off. That's fine. It's all fine. 
but we could have a good system and we could take care of people a little better, take care of ourselves. We're not talking about like random other people. I'm talking about people with employer sponsored health insurance that go to the doctor and still end up spending $6,000, right? Like we could have something else and people who are having depression could just go and see somebody. And are we going to do that? I don't think so. So in conclusion of all this, this is just my little vote for like, Hey guys, if you, if you want, we could just have national health care and it would cost less than the $260 billion we spend already on employer-based health insurance, right? As far as depression goes, I'm going to be fine. I'm going to be fine. I'm, I'm, I'm done being sick. I'm doing, I went out to a ecstatic dance and danced my heart out yesterday and I feel pretty good today. So love to you all. I hope you're not sick, or if you are, you have insurance. Today we have with us in the studio, John Anglin. John is a professional peer support specialist. Hello, John. Welcome to the Depression Session. Hello. Thank you for inviting me. Yeah. What do you want to share with our audience? What's going on with you? Well, I'm currently in a transitional phase in my life in a couple different ways. And I, too, am between employment. We'll say <laughs> unemployment's a really scary phrase. I'm hoping that's a temporary thing. And I'm in a blossoming new relationship as well yeah. so, a lot of transitions i'm in the like end of a relationship end of employment and i'm gainfully unemployed like i did go to mexico and make a bunch of artwork i did yeah. like i was thinking i could like auction those off for my health insurance and just pay for it for my little bird paintings i'm sure my friends would all want to yeah. buy a little bird painting of course <laughs> of course and they're beautiful too i've seen them. thank you yeah, and and transitional times, it is a mental health struggle for me. And every time I've had really bad depression, it's been in one of those transitional phases. You I know? I think it's possible to be in both places too. I think it's possible to to have something fulfilling happen and at the same time feel afraid or yeah. alone. Some of the most tragic things. Even some of the most publicly tragic things that have happened lately have, have happened to people that were alone yet surrounded by others. So on that note, John, tell yeah. us the story of your depression. Yeah. The story of my depression. Yeah. Boy. All right. I'll give it my best shot. You know, I teach the, uh, I have taught up until a few months ago, the, the Peer Support Institute at the University of Arizona. And, um, I've done this since late 2013 and I've I've trained over 500 peers. I've, I've ushered people living with mental illness or substance use disorders or both into the field of recovery. Taught them how to use their personal lived experience to help others. I did this from the perspective of somebody who's got it figured out. I mean, that's my job. And so for any of them hearing this, it would probably come as a great shock to even hear me on this show. Every once in a while, something comes up and maybe I'll post a struggle that I'm having and the feedback that I get from people that say, oh my gosh, you are human after all. It's really an eye-opener for me because I didn't realize for a long time the, the, the perspective that people had of me. So anyway, but when, you know, when you say, tell me about your depression, it kind of, and the strange thing about that for me is that people that have met me in recent years see the see the successful being which is recently is true i've had a lot of great successes but i i'm having a hard time owning that because i've spent much more of my 45 years failing than i have succeeding 
And, and so I think that's the struggle that I deal with. I own failure much more than I own success. And success feels temporary for me, whereas failure feels like a lifestyle, if that makes sense. I actually went to, uh, I've done some really great EMDR therapy recently based around that. Eye movement desensitization and reprocessing. I, I was very skeptical about it. You stare at a light beam, you know, like the old Battlestar Galactica. Somehow this reprocesses your thoughts. Well, it's, it's not voodoo. It, 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 I couldn't believe that I was unable to stay in a negative place while I was going through this. It was really amazing. But anyway, so, so this is, this is how depression works for me. I have, I entered recovery in 2008. I went through a terrible time of, well, I was smoking crack, which was probably the most drastic in a long string of life failures. You know, I got kicked out of the Air Force when I was 19. I, there's, there's, there's a whole slew of them. My mother passed away in 2007. And so that's how I dealt with it. That's how I processed. When I entered recovery in July of 2008, I just, I really started this upward climb. I said, this is enough. I, 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 I didn't want to come out. I wanted to die. I didn't want to face anybody. I was ashamed. I was broken. I wanted to die on the streets. I wanted to be the weathered old caveman talking to the telephone pole. I didn't want to face anybody ever again. And when I entered recovery, something happened. Something. I got a second wind. A fire was lit. And I remember being in treatment. I was talking to my counselor and I said, I feel like I'm graduating high school. I'm starting over. I've lost everything. I can do whatever. I didn't have a career. I was doing construction and various jobs. You know, I want to figure out what I want to do with my life. And I was 36 years old. And she said, why don't you do this? You know, people like talking to you. This is, this is a good fit for you. And I said, I don't know if you've been paying attention in the group. You know, I've been incarcerated. There are quite a few barriers to me doing this. And she said, no, there's a market for that. It's called peer support. People that have been through this are very well suited to help other people in their journeys. And I said, what? So I became certified in 2009 to be a peer support. I then went on and being convicted of armed robbery was still able to get a level one fingerprint clearance card. In 2013, I graduated Pima College with my associates in social services. I won a scholarship for my bachelor's degree, which I obtained from NAU in public administration. I then went on and I became a licensed substance abuse technician. I then got my master's of administration. There's this huge stream of successes, right? Anybody that's met me in this time frame knows of this success. What they don't know is the, the, the core of failure underneath all of that is this person who has done all of these things. I don't know a job that requires a licensed substance abuse technician. There are other licensures that are really valuable. I did that as grasping at meaning, right? I need something in there to help me feel like I can navigate this place. I often 
this will strike some people as a surprise, but I, I often wander around my space feeling like I'm faking it, like I don't belong. And that's a genuine struggle for me. And, and it's odd because it, you know, it's, and sometimes when I do struggle, I feel like people look at me like, mm, this is, I know you. This, this isn't real. You know, maybe you just want to, you want some of the depression. It's the thing right now or whatever, you know. I don't know if that makes it worse or not. Sometimes I feel like it would be easier had I not gotten my master's degree or I had not moved into a management position and crossed that administrative threshold because then I can maintain this moderate lifestyle. I almost feel like I've, I've layered this pressure on myself. And so I had some, I had some issues come up at work right at the, right around New Year's, the beginning of the year. It um, caused a drastic change in my work as, as well as a, a relationship that ended at the same time. And the combination of those two things, my work is, is my, it's my purpose. I, I got out of prison in 2006. I, I, I thought that I was, I was destined to a life of washing dishes or mowing lawns. And, and I don't mean to disregard any, any, any service industry, but, um, this is, this is what I had resigned myself to, which is a tragedy for me because I, I find myself a very capable person. So I went from feeling like I had conquered this. I figured it out. I'm in a stride now. I maybe I do belong here. Maybe I am one of the people that fit in, right? And then whoosh, like the rug was pulled out from under me. And I don't mean to say that with a lack of accountability, because I, you know, my actions play a role here, but this was devastating for me. The one thing that would be most helpful, the one piece of self-care that's most helpful for me, and that's reaching out and connecting with people. People that remind me that, that I'm human and that we all make mistakes and that I'm loved and cared for. That one piece of self-care that would have been most helpful is, is the one thing that I couldn't do. And I sat there and I stood in this for weeks. And like you were talking about at the beginning, it almost killed me. It brought me to that place. It reminded me, which is not the correct term, but this is how it felt. Like, oh, yeah, remember, you don't belong here. You're faking it. And now everybody knows. You can't go back out there and face those people. You know, what's the point? In fact, they're better off. Let's call it quits, you know? <laughs> and in the, this is, this is, this is the demon in my mind. As like a last ditch effort, I grab my phone and I start scrolling through the contacts and I come across a couple people, uh, people that I had worked with, people that know me, people that have seen me under stress and seen me handle it, people that know, people that have seen me help people. And I reached out and I went to lunch and I went in public. I went where the sun was shining and where people were conversing and, and, and this community was taking place. And I went and had lunch with people that treated me like a human being. And of course, you know, the one thing you hear is 
why didn't you say something? Why didn't you reach out? You know, the, I, because I, I don't even know. I don't know how to answer that because I couldn't. And so I feel like it's really important to be mindful regardless of the persona that a person is wearing. I don't, I don't know how to express it, that, that we remember that, that everybody needs that connection. We all need to feel a part of something. I think I need to feel a part of something. I guess I shouldn't project that onto people. But in my experience, disconnection kills. John, thanks so much for your story. You're welcome. And I write, relate to a whole bunch in there. We're in a similar place in life right now yeah. with these transitions of just like, there's an abyss out there, which does put you back to 18, starting over, jump into it, yeah. see what happens. You know, I really related to that, that moment where you're like, I'm graduating from high school. <laughs> I'm starting all new because I'm a person who starts over. Yeah. I don't know why I do that. Other people seem to just kind of progress. <laughs> Yeah. But I need re yeah. reset buttons. <laughs> maybe it's depression. Maybe it's related to depression. But usually I'll go through a really bad spot. Yeah. And there's a reset. You shed your skin, kind of. And I have a whole new life, and I'm like a different person again. I think about butterfly, butterfly for me. It's like yeah. go into the cocoon state, which looks like depression, <laughs> hibernation. Yeah. yeah. Shed Absolutely. that and come out. Yeah. I, you know, I, I talked to a friend recently and I shared with them that I was having a, a, a really tough moment and I, and I told him, I, you know, I feel like I'm faking it. Yeah. And every, and she said, I don't think you're faking it. She said, I think you're winging it sometimes, but I don't know about, and that was really profound for me. And I thought, oh, that's true. Yeah. I don't know a whole lot of people that have it figured out. You know, I know people who think they do until something happens, myself <laughs> included. But I don't yeah. know a whole lot of people who can who can maintain that mid range. Well, in the faking it, I really relate to that. I mean, this show, the because like AZPM interviewed me for it, and nice. one of the things, oh, yeah, they're awesome. And one of the things that I I said when they came to record that I feel like I'm faking it with depression. Like I don't have like the real depression. You know, like I have like this fake depression yeah. and nobody knows I have depression because I, here's the thing. People are always like, like with a being sick, a friend of mine wrote me, he's like, I didn't know you were sick the other day. Like when we all hung out for breakfast. Right. right? And I'm like, yeah, no, I was sick. I just, I, I put on, I, well, it's not just a yeah. game face. It's actually real. Right. As soon as I, I'm that connection person, I get in a group of people. I feel good. I can feel good. I can I can rise to the occasion and laugh and have a good... And I wasn't feeling horrible anyway at that point. Yeah, I was feeling kind of a, a little bit sick. But like two days later, I'm in the hospital, right? So like that doesn't add up. But that's the way it works for me. Like with depression, if I can leave my house, I'm going to go out. No one's going to know I was having a really bad day. Nobody's going to know. And that's the faking it part, but it's not quite faking it. It's real when I'm out among people. I feel good. It doesn't matter what's happening. The problem is I have to go back home and I'm going to walk into my private space and depression's sitting on the couch waiting for me to get home. You know, if you have high cholesterol and you take your cholesterol medication and it lowers your cholesterol, it doesn't mean you don't have high cholesterol. It means that you're treating it at that moment. 
Yeah. You know? So, yeah. Practicing yeah. self-care just because you weren't vomiting on the table. Right. You weren't sick. Right. Yeah. No, I, I agree. And I, I, I relate to that. And, and I, uh, I spend so much time presenting the successful part. You know, that's yes. my job is, is to teach, you know, you, you have to be the hope. You have to believe in people when they don't believe in themselves, and that's hard to do when you don't believe in yourself. And yeah. So you you know you, you self care is a huge part of what you do. And preach this, and I practice that. I can't bring Eeyore to right. the training. You right. Know? Eeyore has to stay home, and he'll wait. Yeah. You'll you'll be back home. Yeah. Eeyore's he'll waiting be for you. At four o'clock. Yeah. Don't worry. But, or maybe not. Or, or maybe, maybe not. This is, you know, maybe this is kick his butt. Yeah, I re- really related to. I just want to share this really quick. H. John Benjamin, he's an actor. He's actually more famous for his voiceover actor. He does the voice of Archer. Oh, okay. Tunes and Bob's Burgers. He's Bob the dad. Well, he actually recently wrote a book, and it's called Failure is an Option. And I actually, I heard him interviewed on NPR, and the host asked him, wait a minute, why you, you know, because it's it's Failure is an Option, an attempted memoir by H. John Benjamin. And, and so he takes this huge ownership over being a failure. And so the host is asking, he says, now, wait a minute. We're not buying this. We've, you've done all of these wonderful projects. You're pretty freaking successful. Help me make sense of this. And so he's, he's the one that, you know, I heard. So I was like, oh, my God, yes. Because he said, so did you know who I was 10 years ago? And he's like, well, no, these are all okay. So I'm 50 years old, man. I've spent much more of my time being the failure, you know, just because that's, this is the, the person you've met. This is what I tell my students. Success is weathering failure. That's all it is. Yeah. You will fail. I like that. You will get rejected. And you will get rejected so many times in every arena of your life. You will. And what success is, is getting up the next day and trying again. Yes. That's it. That's yeah. success. Success is not going out and bright shining star and making a success of everything and always having everything work perfectly. It's success is that you keep trying anyway because the 15th time you get the job. You know, the challenge is, I think, is the worthiness. Yeah. And I think that's where depression comes in for a lot of people is it takes that away. And that, I think, is, is what happens to me sometimes. And I don't feel worthy. The fight is gone because I don't feel worthy of weathering it. Sometimes it's, it's just, you win. Yeah. You know, this is for you guys. And I feel like it's okay. That's the failure as an option. I actually think it's, this is my lesson with this show and with my depression. It's, it is okay to be a screw up. Yeah. It is okay to fail miserably. It is okay. And the person who comes home and feels depressed is as beautiful and wonderful as the one that goes out and has a great time. They are not on a balanced scale. They are the same person and they are equally lovely. And that's hard for me. I don't like that (laughs) that chick. Like, I don't like the one who's depressed and gets in bed and doesn't want to get out. I don't like her. I don't want her to hang out. I don't want her to come here. I don't want her to be in me. But she's just as lovable and just as wonderful as Laura who goes out and has a fun time. Yes. Everybody thinks is awesome. Well, maybe not everybody. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That that is tough. 
I know. Don't sure don't feel lovable or awesome in those moments, you know, especially when we make mistakes or you know, I I I really like the idea and this is something that that I need to work on in my self-care is being able to adapt. I think a lot of my my failure comes from trying to uphold a lifestyle or a certain career level or something. It's so so much of that is just there's so many factors involved that the rug could easily get pulled out from under you and then and then and then what? There I go again, nosedive, you know? So I, I think it is really important to to be able to adapt in that way and, and maybe go into the cocoon and come out with some fresh ideas or a new a new trajectory. And that is a perfect way to end the show. Thank you so much for being on the depression session. Thank you. I enjoyed it. I want to mention again that if you found some of the content of today's episode triggering, please seek professional help and call 911 if you feel like hurting yourself or others. I'm not a licensed therapist, and this show and the station are not endorsing any remedies or products. The purpose of this show is to destigmatize depression through storytelling. You can find a link to mental health services on downtownradio.org on the About KTDT page. To listen to the podcast, or if you're interested in being on the show, contact us at www.thedepressionsession.com. You've been listening to The Depression Session on Downtown Radio Tucson with music by Septahelix. Find us on Facebook and Twitter at The Depression Session Podcast. Thank you.